the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon to you. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, the the senior pastor of the First Baptist Church of San Diego, and it is great to be with you once again today. I've been so glad to be here with you all week, and uh, so we've got a couple more days this week, and I'll be back in a couple weeks also. We've got a lot of things that we can talk about, and I look forward to being with you and for taking your calls. You can call us at 888-52-TALKS. Call me at 888-528-2557. I like to say that's a great number to keep in your phone. That way you can just talk to your phone while you're driving if you want to call or talk to your phone from the office. So or just uh, pretend that you're talking to your phone if you've got to talk to yourself. 888-528-2557. If that's in your phone, it'll call right to this program, 888-52-TALKS. Coming up in a few moments, joining me will be the Dean of Pepperdine School of Public Policy, and we'll be talking about how Christians can be effective in the public square and an opportunity to learn more about that. And we're excited about that. There's so many great things going on in our culture today. And as we've been talking about all week, we don't want to lose the momentum of what we have been learning. And in particular, coming out of the election this week, and we're going to talk about some ways that we can stay involved. And we'd love to have your your calls, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. So I hope that you are ready, ready for our, our big afternoon together. And uh, you've got your coffee, as I always do, the brew of the believer the the choice of the chosen, if that is your persuasion. Um, there's a whole bunch of those I can I can come up with, I guess. But uh, the addiction, you know, of the adored. I don't know if that's a positive one, really, right? But I thought I need an A one. Uh, but there's there's that one. Anyway, uh, you know, I went to uh, I went to St. Arbuck's today to get my coffee because uh, they are supposed to come out with the new Christmas cups, and uh, sure enough, they have them. But they gave me mine in the, one of the regular white ones, so. Uh, uh, bummer there. Didn't get to get as festive as I, I wanted to. Is it too early? Is it too early for Christmas to be festive right now? I don't know. You know, I used to think so, but last year was such a bummer of a year. I wanted to do Christmas early and set up everything early. And I did, we put it up. I think we put up our tree in October. we just want to get right to, uh, the celebration and do Christmas. And, uh, that's a big deal in our household because, uh, especially when it comes to putting lights on stuff, do you struggle with putting lights on the tree. And when I say I struggle, I struggle with it. Uh, I struggle with it in a, in a spiritual way. I, I sin a lot when I'm putting lights up and I shouldn't do that. And it's wrong. And uh, it really bothers my wife. And my wife finally made me get one of those fake trees with the lights already installed in it. And all you do is put it together and plug it in and your lights are good. They're all in the right spot. And you know what happened? I am a much more sanctified person because of that tree. My wife is awesome. We've been married 20 years and it gets better and better. And uh, she knows all that about me. Plus I'm in a much better mood when it comes to Christmas time, which she loves. Speaking of Christmas, Christmas came early in a way for Republicans this week on Tuesday night, but the big underlying issues, especially in the area of education are still of the utmost urgency. And there's a whole lot of subjects that are in the public sphere, the public debate right now that we really need to have a voice in and we need to speak wisely as we engage 
on these topics. And that's something that we've been talking about a lot on the show is that how do we make sure that we're able to actually speak with a wise direct voice in and be truthful in the things that we're saying. So we want to talk a little bit about that today and give us some opportunity. My guest this hour is Pete Peterson. He is a leading national speaker and writer on issues related to civic participation and the use of technology to make government more responsive and transparent. And he will be a speaker at the Live Not By Lies conference on Tuesday at Pepperdine University. And he is the dean of Pepperdine School of Public Policy. Uh, Pete, welcome to our program today. Great to be with you, Scott. Yeah, thank you for joining me. How is it up there at Pepperdine today? Uh, another beautiful day, but I'm sure not too dissimilar to what you're experiencing down there in San Diego. Well, it is a, it is a beautiful place that you're at. I considered going there uh, for college back in the day. And Well, uh, it is a special place for sure. It is. Unfortunately, the Pepperdine didn't consider me going there for college, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, would have, I realized I would have got nothing done. I would have been on the beach, and I went to UC Riverside, where back in my day we had smog and nothing to look at, but uh, that was perfect, just the way God had planned it. <laughs> and uh, So, Pete, thank you for being a part of our show. And, uh, listeners, you can give us a call and uh, talk to us at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-255. Seven. Tell us about yourself, Pete, and uh, who you are and how you got interested in public policy. Well, sure. Uh, it's a rather circuitous route. I actually started out in the uh, private sector uh, early on in my career. I was in marketing and advertising, went through what I can only describe as a early onset midlife crisis, uh, which happened to be occasioned by my being in New York on 9-11, uh, which wow. was a day that had a... Mm major impact on me and my life, um, made me think about what I was doing with my career. Uh, we lost a family friend there in 9-11 and a number of other things related to that and uh, was then in my mid-30s but came to really think about and read about and get to understand better this concept uh, that we know as, as Christians as calling. And did a lot of reading, read a book by um, the Christian intellectual Oz Guinness called The Call, and that book really made me think about what I was doing uh, with my career. I'd been a person of faith, but frankly, kind of separated what I was doing in my business life. I mean, I certainly was understood that I needed to do that in an ethical and moral way, but never right. thought about the whole concept of what I was doing in light of what God might be calling me to, and over the course of about a year or so, um, made the decision with my wife uh, that we would go back to school. Uh, I'd always had a passion in politics and policy, but it always kind of been a sideline, and um, made the commitment at the ripe old age of 39 to go back to graduate school. Uh, that was about 16 or 17 years ago, and that decision led to a a career change that had me getting very involved in politics and policy. I uh, ran for office statewide here uh, back in 2014, finished second, uh, but came back and was offered the position as uh, dean of this very special uh, graduate school of uh, policy and politics. You never know how life events or even world events are going to change the direction of our life at any time. You know, something I've, I've been fascinated with is how people are making that decision right now after COVID, right? They call it the great resignation and lots of people are feeling their calling. 
You know, that's so true. And we're, we're even seeing it in applicants here to the policy school. I've spoken a couple times about how I experienced a 9-11. And you might remember back then, a lot of people thought about what they were doing with their lives. A lot of people went into the military. Other people went into other acts of public service. And while the conditions are certainly different between um, 9-11 and, and where we are today with with COVID, I'm, I'm seeing a number of new students who are thinking about now uh, public service in new ways in light of uh, the pandemic and, and what's happened in our communities, our state, and our nation, um, if not the world, uh, just in the last two years. You talked about calling and how people are, are considering that quite a bit. And I think that's definitely what's happened with uh, there's so many things that actually I think God is stirring up on the positive side because of our COVID experience. And one of them is if yes. you're sitting at, you're sitting at home alone, you can't go to work, you can't do anything. You're going to think about your life. And I think a lot of people are feeling that calling and we're looking at the world today, especially with some of the issues and believers and people in the church. And how do we affect what is going on in a positive way. Uh, that matters greatly. How do we stay engaged? Why don't we start off with the election on Tuesday? Because I think it's kind of yeah. relevant, right? What are some uh, takeaways that you have uh, from Tuesday night? Well, I think first and foremost, um, in both of the major instances in Virginia and New Jersey, and I have some experience, I grew up in New Jersey, I have family out there, uh, and certainly know a number of people who are uh, who live in Virginia. In both instances, the Democrats uh, and the leading candidates there attempted to nationalize the race, uh, make this about uh, the person who's uh, the former president, President Trump, and and essentially attempt to uh, castigate the Republican candidate based on on that set of issues. But what the Republican candidates did in both instances, especially uh, now Governor-elect Youngkin did in Virginia, was he kept it very much about what was going on in Virginia, what was best for Virginians. And much of his messaging, whether it's about schools or public safety or uh, taxes and the budget, was very much focused on the issues, both in the pocketbook and where we send our kids to schools and public safety, on issues that are of interest to the people of the communities and state of Virginia. And in that, I think there's a new appreciation of the importance of these state and local issues. I think as people of faith, sometimes we we focus on the national, and we certainly should understand what's happening in Washington, D.C., and what's happening in the White House, and what's happening at the Supreme Court. Right. But... We also need to maintain a focus on the things that affect our everyday lives, like where we send our kids to school and how our local budget monies are being spent and issues of public safety. I think that is so crucial right now. I'm hoping that we learn that lesson that used to be said all the time, all politics is local, right? Yeah. But we, I think yeah. we forget that. Um, but the, the stuff that affects our life, uh, and we've seen that with the – the coronavirus mandates, right? And here in California, they've been much stricter exactly than right. elsewhere, yeah. right? That wasn't coming from Washington, D.C. There's recommendations no, coming right. from Washington, D.C., yeah. And it's not even at the state level, as, as we both know. That's right. I mean, these are county-level issues. I get asked by 
friends from from back uh, from back on the East Coast. You know how are things going in California? And I I always say you have to be a little bit more specific because <laughs> here I am in Los Angeles County. Uh, even the drive south down to Orange County uh, recently, it was almost as if I was in a in a different state. And so yeah, I think you're totally yes. right that that COVID has really forced us as American citizens to understand where decisions are made and, and to make sure that we are uh, impacting who is making those decisions uh, with our vote. And I think that was a big part of both the results we saw in Virginia and New Jersey. How do we, uh, you know, looking forward, how do we not lose that perspective? You're exactly right about how just moving even in California, not even just county to county, but even city to city in Los Angeles, mm. city of Los Angeles today, yes. you have to start showing your vaccination card in order to get into what bars and restaurants and uh, a couple other That's things. Right. Uh, yep. And sometimes I don't know if I'm in the city of Los Angeles or if I'm in a neighboring city, how it, you know, it's so complicated uh, the, the way they draw it in San Diego. You know, we had uh, an election last year where we, there was one person on the county board of supervisors who uh, everybody didn't like, and uh, because of the restrictions and stuff, and some of the things that he would do, but we voted for four more of that person and got rid of some people who I think were really good public servants, and now everybody down here mm-hmm. is griping about what they're doing. And I just want to say, well, you voted for this. Like, what did you yeah. think? Yeah, yeah. So how well, do we I stay that, keep that? In, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that that COVID is in some ways like nine eleven, right? Nine eleven in many ways introduced a lot of Americans to what was going on in the world, and in particular the Middle East. It's not as if we may not have known where Iraq was or Afghanistan was, but I know a whole bunch of people that learned the difference between Sunni and Shia Muslim and uh, the different uh, types of uh, branches of the Muslim faith that were present in various Middle East countries. I hope in a somewhat similar way that there's a a civic awakening, if you will, brought about by this pandemic that does make us focus on what's happening in our communities. And certainly COVID, if there is to be any sort of silver lining here, A, it's it's made us aware of where these decisions get made and whether it's the county or the state or even, as you say, the city level around the lockdowns. But it's also made, and this is certainly, again, a major issue in Virginia, a lot of public school parents learned what was being taught in their schools because right. the classroom was, bought, was brought into their living room or kitchen or dining room. And in so doing, a lot of parents learned uh, some things that they really didn't like about what was being taught to their kids. And so I think the impact of that is going to be longstanding, uh, this awareness of what's going on in our schools and who is making decisions around businesses and schools being open or closed. And so I'm, I'm actually optimistic in that, that there will be the civic awakening on issues that are much more local. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and my guest is Pete Peterson, the Dean of Pepperdine School of Public Policy. And we're talking about how to maintain uh, what we're – right now we're talking about it's an awakening, right? And that's the word that I've been using. It's an interesting hmm. – uh, what they say they, in New Jersey, which I think is in many ways a huge story uh, because of how yep. close that election was and some things that happened on the local level. A truck driver beat the uh, the leader of the New Jersey State Senate 
right? And he spent $153 on that election. <laughs> I mean, that Apparently must have been his... about half of that was spent on Dunkin' Donuts just doing <laughs> That's you know, right. meet and greets. It's... <laughs> That's right. I mean, in California, that would be half a tank of gas. That would be all. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but that says something. And I think one of the things that, that says is that regular people can make a huge impact. And if you're right on the, the issues that fit our lives, you don't even need the money that you think you need. Well, I'd also say that also your vote stands a much greater chance of impacting more local races. I know that yes. oftentimes we can say as Californians, you know, what's my vote against, you know, eight or 10 million votes on statewide issues. The closer you get to the more uh, local races, the more your vote matters. And even in the state of New Jersey, I mean, that statewide race about three or three and a half million votes is going to be determined by 20,000 votes. And there's some of those local races like that one with the truck driver is going to be determined by hundreds or a couple thousand votes. So um, really not, not letting ourselves off the hook uh, when it comes time to cast a ballot. I think uh, we need to continue to think about these local races. Yeah, it matters a lot. It comes down to one or two votes per precinct when you really start getting yeah. down to it. Like just your neighbors, right, yep. can change everything. We all we all need to vote. So moving forward, and we, we see this going on, what are some areas where we can stay engaged? For Christians especially, um, what are some things that we can think about? How do we stay engaged so we're not just ignoring this for another year uh, until the next uh, midterm election? Well, I think it begins with awareness. And again, I I think if there was a silver lining to COVID, it is, uh, one, the people that are running our counties and certainly the people that are running our cities uh, can have an impact on our day-to-day lives. Uh, That also includes school boards. And if there, again, has been something encouraging about what's happened over these this last year has been to see the number of people showing up school board meetings um, across the country um, mm-hmm. who are deeply concerned and are familiar and informed about what's going on in their kids' schools. And so, again, when we think about engagement, particularly at the local level, that's where we really can have an impact. And when you start to put together district by district, just as you said, Scott, uh, pretty soon you're, you can start to think about swinging much larger elections, whether it's at the county level or even at the state level. So first things first is just to even know who is on our school boards, what their perspective is. Um, even if you're not sending your kid to the public school, I think we as people That's of right. faith need to be concerned about our communities and where our, our neighbors' kids are going as well. And then, of course, you think about making sure that we're voting in an informed way in those elections, but also thinking about running for office. And Hmm. that's another part of it that I always, certainly with our students here at the policy school, but whenever I'm speaking to groups of people of faith to say, hey, you know, you may be called to run for office and you need to be thoughtful and prayerful about that. Um, Because we're seeing that. You you look at the governor-elect Youngkin. I mean, this was somebody completely outside the political system who's now governor-elect, and certainly hearing his story, he responded to what he thought was a call on his life to, to get involved. 
That's right. What would you say a person who's thinking about that? I think that there are a lot of listeners right now who are wondering, should they get involved? I've thought about it before. I used to be in politics. God forced me into ministry. Uh, mm. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a hard decision for me um, yeah. to do that at the time. Um, and today I look out and I, the conversations I have with a lot of people are, is this it? Is this the best we have in our candidates? Um, yeah. What, sh- what kind of person ought to be really thinking about, seriously, this thought that maybe is on their heart about actually taking a step of faith and running for office? Well, I'd start with first is, as we try to determine the call, is to get a sense of are there particular policy issues that you're passionate about, that just naturally, right? Yeah. And it, and mm-hmm. you could be brought to that point because of, you know, what you're seeing going on in your local schools. It could be about something that you're seeing going on in your uh, community. Um, it could be something going on in your state. You know, for me, I ran for Secretary of State back in 2014 really because I was passionate about civic engagement and voting. And that's the office that determines that. And I got to know some folks that were in the Secretary of State's office, and I just got to a place where I thought, you know, um, this is usually a placeholder for somebody looking to be governor or senator someday. And Mm -hmm. I just wanted somebody to focus on how elections were run. And so really as a non-political candidate, I hadn't really been involved in running for office I decided to do that because I really cared about that issue and had studied it. And I think that's the second stage. Once you understand your passion around issues, making sure you're really informed about it. For me, it meant going back to school, but for other people, it just might mean, you know, uh, reading up, researching, speaking to experts about uh, particular policy issues, because you've got to be ready uh, if an opportunity presents itself. And then it involves what I call a scan of the political climate. Is there an open seat? Is there somebody who's retiring? Is there, are there people that maybe in your world that are asking you about running for office? Are you speaking to them? And just taking that step by step until you get to that place where you are actually making the decision about whether you should run or not. Right. All that is uh, great advice if you're listening. We're going to take a little break. You're listening to the Southern California Live Show. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, guest hosting today, and my guest is uh, the Dean of Pepperdine School of Public Policy, Pete Peterson. We'll be back in just a moment. The number here, if you want to call in, is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, your guest host for today, and uh, it is great to be with you. You can join our conversation at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. My guest is Pete Peterson. He is the dean of the Pepperdine School of Public Policy, and we are talking about, uh, we started talking about takeaways from the election and different ways that we can stay engaged, and we started talking about, before the break, being called into public service, and uh, maybe you have that that calling going on. You know, one of the things that is going to be at a conference that is happening here uh, next week at Pepperdine is called the Live Not By Lies Conference. 
and you're one of the speakers there, and you'll be talking about, in, in many ways, being truthful. And I was thinking about it as we were talking about the awakening that maybe has happened with people understanding how important local elections are, school boards. Another issue, for, and it's for people on the right and the left, you know, on the left, we have people who are the woke, right? And some people are analyzing, is this a, a, a repudiation of the woke? Um, uh, James Carville, who we used to call Serpent Head back in my day, I think he liked that name. Even though it you know, he just blamed it on the whole woke stuff today. How yes, do we I avoid heard. how do we avoid the far right woke stuff? Because there's some of yeah. that. A bunch of people gathered on the grassy knoll this week waiting for JFK Jr. to show up, uh, who's passed away twenty something years ago. Well, it gets back to that search for truth. You know, uh one of the what we call commitments here at Pepperdine is that and I'll quote it, um that the search for truth, having nothing to fear from examination, must be pursued in all disciplines. And you're right to say that the conspiracy theories on both the left and right um, need to be confronted with the truth and a passion and a search for the truth. And so Live Not By Lies, the title of the conference that we're hosting Next Tuesday is based on the title of a book written by uh, the best-selling author, Rod Dreher, who's going to be coming out to speak. But it's also based on a phrase first coined by the Soviet dissident and Christian Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who in many years of uh, living in the Soviet Union um, came to understand that one of the ways that you have to confront the lies that are brought to you by culture or government is to hold fast to this search for the truth. And and so the phrase live not by lies was actually a charge given by Solzhenitsyn to his Soviet countrymen and women to say, um, you don't have to bend your knee uh, to the lies that you know were obviously uh, being propagated. And again, Scott, I, I salute you to say that it is something that as people of faith, we need to be suspicious of on both the right and the left. But uh, in the very least, it, it, it needs to be grounded in a passion for the truth. What would you say is a way that we can seek the truth in a lot of these issues? Because I think that so many of us now distrust institutions, government institutions. We even distrust the church uh, in a way as an institution. And, you know, I deal with people all the time who have passionate views that cannot, that conflict with each other, and they both can't be right, um, you know, with issues related to coronavirus, taking the vaccine, you know, mandates, uh, foreign policy matters. What does a person do who says, I really want to know what's true today? Well, I think actually the way we do that is through disciplines. Mm. Uh, There's not one source other than Scripture that we can say without any doubt is truth itself. And so we begin there, right? We begin there with our understanding based in Scripture, understanding who God has called us to be, who God is. Those things we are really the most important anyway, 
Right. Um, so we start there. But as we begin to go out, the disciplines, I would phrase as one, making sure that we're trying to hear both sides of a story, right? So there needs to be, I mean, that is the grounding for critical thinking. And I think if there's anything missing in our world today, especially in the public square, is that there's a real lack of critical thinking. That what you just said there, Scott, that if if we think A and B or A and C of a situation, if we can rationally step back and say, these two things cannot be true, uh, we need to call that out and right. be, and have the courage to say that um, in hearing different sides of a story, that um, the truth is either on one side or the other or someplace in the middle, but it does demand that making sure that we are surrounding ourselves with information sources that can come from various various sides. And I think the other thing, too, and I, I'm seeing it in some places that um, are, are of some concern, is that we tend to focus, especially some of the what you might call conspiracy theory thinking, on issues of either national or global scale, and we become distracted from the issues that really are impacting our everyday lives. Right. And again, I think what was so encouraging about what we saw in Virginia and in New Jersey is that we saw one political party in this case, and it can change in different places, but in these two instances, it was certainly the, the Democratic Party that was seeking to nationalize these ele- elections, while the Republican candidates really held true to say, we're not going to have a debate about who the president is or was. We are going to talk about the issues that impact everyday Virginians or New Jerseyans. And my solutions, and this, these were the two candidates, my solutions are better than my opponent's. And in a very kind of rational, straightforward way, focused on the issues, these were, in one case, a victory, uh, and in another case, a race that was so close, it looks like it may be going to at least some sort of uh, review. And so, mm-hmm. again, I think making sure that we are focused on issues where we can have some sort of impact, which tend to be the more local ones, not getting distracted by some of these things that are of a scope and scale that, frankly, we, we couldn't do much about even if we wanted to. And then finally, and it's funny, I, this came up in a conversation with a, somebody I had breakfast with this morning, because we have to pray. You know, I mean, this, there needs to, yep. as we think about, well, how can we have an impact on some of these large issues uh, we are we are connected as Christians with the one who holds the world in his hands and numbers the hairs on our heads. I mean, this is, That's right. This is this is the one who knows, and even as I think we can already see, I mean, there there are things that are happening in the world today that are actually even in the midst of really great tragedy like this COVID and the pandemic, a really national, local global tragedies, but even in that, we can see people becoming, if you will, awakened to the stakes and what's happening. And I think in that, I don't, I don't 
dismiss the possibility that God is speaking to us through these major events in a way that is calling us to Him and calling us into the communities in which we live. That's right. I think you're absolutely right about that. You know, we've had several conversations this week on this program about what's going on, and every single time we've come back to, we've got to pray. Yeah. And we also have to believe that God is doing something. I like to be optimistic yeah. about all this. As scrambled up as it, it seems like it is, I think it's because we are being moved by God to to do something truthful and right. Hey, uh, before you go, tell us about the Live Not By Lies conference that you'll be speaking at at Pepperdine uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, we're excited about it. It'll be here on campus uh, in Malibu on Tuesday. Uh, it kicks off with uh, a luncheon keynote from Rod Dreyer, who wrote the book, which I highly recommend to all your listeners, Live Not By Lies. And that's going to be followed by three panels that are going to run throughout the afternoon uh, where we're going to be looking at these issues of what Dreyer calls a soft totalitarianism that is arising on American college campuses, uh, within our governing institutions, and then we'll conclude with a third panel that will focus specifically on what we as people of faith can do to respond to this public square. And you are one of the speakers at this event, so if people uh, would like to go, they'll get to meet you there, or at least see you up there on the stage? That's right, yeah. All right. Yeah, I will be. I'll certainly welcome folks up here. All right. The Live Not By Lies conference is at Pepperdine University. It is Tuesday, November 9th from 1130 a.m. to 5 p.m. So it's an all day thing. If you want to register, you need to go to the right place to go is the uh, public policy page at Pepperdine EDU website. Is that correct? That's right. It's publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. And if you that's the home page. If you scroll to the bottom, you'll find the information about the conference on Tuesday. All right, that's publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. It's almost sold out, that's correct? Yeah, that's right. That's right, All right. pretty close. So if you are inspired right now, now's a good time to go to that website, publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Uh, Pete, thank you for joining me today. Great to be with uh, you, On Scott. this program. Yeah, Pete Peterson is the Dean of Pepperdine School of Public Policy. Dean, it's been great having you. Thank you for joining us on Southern California Live. Thank you. All right. Friends, I'll get back to take your calls after the break. If you want to call in and chime in on this subject, 888-52-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. We'll be right back with Southern California Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, your guest host for this week, and you can give me a call at 888-52-TALKS, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This hour, we've been talking about civic engagement and how to do that, how to know if you're called uh, to do that, what are the things that are at stake now, and we started talking about how important it is to also be truthful with that, and so let me go to the phones here. Steve from Santa Monica. Steve? Welcome to the program. Thanks for uh, staying with us on hold through the break there. You know, uh, thanks for taking my call. Just a comment. Yeah. You know, listening, listening to your guests talk about truth. I mean, we are living in a post-truth society. Everybody, you included, just presents, you're just interested in material that people who reflect your point of view present. You're not interested in the truth. You're way beyond the truth. 
No, that, I don't think that's true. I want to know what's true. What do you think oh, is? Uh, you I, don't think any? You don't think anybody can talk about the truth or want to know what truth is? Oh no, I didn't say that. I just said most. Oh, I'm of the sorry. People you have on don't talk about the truth. You don't talk about the truth. You present evidence that vaccines are questionable. You shouldn't mask. And Republicans are for Jesus. Uh, everybody that's woke could not be Christian. I mean, you present a lot of post-truth opinions. You don't present any evidence for your opinions. You just present opinions. In fact, I have barely heard you talk about Jesus except in a very perfunctory way. You're like a junior Tucker Carlson. And your <laughs> guest who was on from Pepperdine, I mean, seriously, he doesn't know anything but truth either. Pepperdine is a right-wing, third-tier university. I well, mean, let me tell you something. Where, where are you coming Pepperdine from? Can you think of a... I'll, can you think of an issue specifically that you would you would say you have a different opinion than something that uh, I've presented or maybe something you've heard on this program? Yes, before? you made fun. Just one flagrant example is you you said yesterday that you got your mask off the floor of your car. I mean, civic responsibility would be to protect people from COVID in case you're a carrier. You don't think like you're, you don't sound very civically responsible by joking about getting a dirty mask off the floor of your car kind of disparaging and making fun of that. I see where you're coming from. Okay, I appreciate that criticism. You know, I was kind of making a joke about that because I think that, uh, and Steve, thank you for your call. I appreciate that very much. I was making a joke about that because I think a lot of us are kind of doing it that way these days. I mean, it's actually pretty gross to take the uh, the mask off the uh, the floor, but I've actually had to do that because there's a couple places that I go into and I realize, oh, they're going to want me to put on a mask, and I do want to be respectful about that. And uh, but most places I go, and I think most places most people are going now, uh, they're not wearing a mask. Um, our policy at our church, for example, is we respect each other. So some people wear masks and some people don't. That seems to be working pretty well. But I do respect where you are are coming from. We need to always try to be truthful, and that was a big part of our conversation today. Is how do we actually do that? And you know, with some of the issues in the next hour, we may talk a little bit about masking and some different things like that uh, that is on there. One of the reasons I asked our guest today, how do you know what the truth is, is because you obviously have a difference of opinion and you're reading into maybe some things I'm saying, even if I was just being humorous. And I, re- I recognize that sometimes I need to be more clear about that. I think once people get to know me better, you know, they realize I joke around a little bit, but then I'm also very serious. Uh, you know, yesterday, for example, we talked about why Christians shouldn't be saying, let's go Brandon, for example, because of what it actually means. And if you're on the right, you probably didn't care much about that. Uh, or you didn't like it very much when people said a similar thing using the word about Donald Trump or about whomever you were with. Truth is a hard thing. We all seem to have opinions. And I think one of the hard things is how do we make sure we're telling the truth? Here's what the scriptures have to say about it. From Colossians chapter 3, verse 9. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed, in knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know, as you read and you go along, the place where we're going to find unity is in Christ, letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Now, if if you're listening to this program, you might have an opinion that's different than me on different things, and that is okay. You might have an opinion that's different than uh, this station. This is a Christian radio station, you know, and we're going to try to present things from a Christian point of view. And one of the things that I think is important today, and uh, I appreciate your feedback on it, is sometimes we do, including myself, will present things in a way that seems like I'm all right wing or left wing or whatever it is. You know, I've been called both. That's the funny thing for, for me. Uh, is that uh, some people think I'm one side or the other on things. Um, and I would say this week, probably, you're probably thinking I'm you know, more to the right. And it's because one of the things I'm passionate about is education. And I think that some of the things that are being taught in our schools are not up for uh, debate, ontologically speaking. And that that is an opinion, but I do believe I get that from Scripture. I think that there are two genders, male and female. And I think that teaching kids that that's not correct, I think it is ontologically, morally wrong, not just against Scripture. I think it's against humanity. But I also think that we have to be careful that there are people who struggle with gender dysphoria and some gender issues where there are true biological reasons for some things going on. And we have to be open to also realize that many people are suffering through those things and there is much confusion about society. And sometimes you have to deal with truth and you've got to put it out there, but we also need to find a way to be compassionate and loving and remain friends. One of the things that I think is very troubling is that we are dividing ourselves as friends, uh, as families, with the issues of the vaccine or masks uh, you, Steve, had a great opinion, a solid opinion about public policy and safety of masks, um, but not everybody agrees with you. Uh, I run a preschool at our, our church, and uh, I don't run it. We have somebody great who runs it, actually. I go in there and have, you know, tater tots for lunch with the kids, uh, although I do oversee it, and I have a significant role with it. We have to deal with the state licensing, and we have a struggle that every preschool in California has right now is that last year, kids under five were not required to wear masks. And the science from the CDC, the WHO, UNICEF, other organizations, all said that mask wearing for children that age is not healthy, that not just psychologically, but even physiologically, other things about it were wrong. And the struggle is in February of this year, the CDC changed its mind on that. And then California followed suit and is now forcing kids in the preschools to wear masks. The difficulty is that the WHO, World Health Organization, and UNICEF still, to this day, last I checked, at least a couple of weeks ago, they still say it's unhealthy to wear masks. So what is the right public policy? Who do we believe? We have parents frustrated. Some parents in the preschool are all for it. Some parents are against it. How do we know what truth is? And in the process of doing that, how can we move forward in a great way that's right for society? And as Christians, how do we move forward and and point people to Jesus Christ and the truth of the resurrection of Jesus? 
and a salvation for people who believe in him. That's what we're trying to do. That's one of the things that everything on the station is trying to do. And we're all flawed people. I'm going to make mistakes, and I'm going to say things that I'm going to have to correct, or I'm going to tell a joke that is uh, misunderstood. Um, And that's part of it, and we need to be right about that. But we also need to know that there is truth, that some things are definitely truth. The truthiness issue where we just believe something is true because we feel a certain way about it, that has to end for everybody, right and left, and for believers. We've got to stop that. As God's chosen and holy people, the Scripture says, we need to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's what we need to try to do, but that doesn't mean that uh, we don't seek the truth or try to live it out, because ultimately reality is persistent. Ultimately, reality bats last, and what we're going to face in this world, physically and spiritually, is the reality of the universe, the reality of spirituality with a living God, and it matters more than anything else. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Pastor Scott Furrier, your guest host, and uh, it is a pleasure to be with you today, each and every day at 3 o'clock. We're going to have another hour here in Los Angeles. You can give a call at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And uh, I always love to hear from you. It's fun to be with you. We did a good hour, didn't we? You can get the hour here if you missed it on the website, KKLA. Just look for Southern California Live or Los Angeles Live on kkla.com and look for the podcast and you can pick it up if you missed anything. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.